Hello, this is uh, Amateurs Podcast, and this is a conversation with David Malanya and uh, Eva Salkvadze, two brilliant designers from Belisi, who founded Ambient.ge, first Georgian company producing Eurac modules and other audio gear. David, or Malo, and Eva are designers, sound enthusiasts, businessmen, and just deep and curious people. We recorded the conversation twice in summer, and both times we had some minor issues with the sound, so I'm sorry that it's not perfect. I got to know about Ambient when I was uh, learning sound synthesis, and I was uh, really glad that guys agreed to talk with me. Ambient is a unique company in the Caucasus region, and um, we discussed how it was built, discussed Eva's and uh, David's life philosophies and inspirations. I'm young, I'm 25, and uh, they're even younger than me. Uh, but it was a deep and fun conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, if you want to follow me or follow the guys, I'll leave all the links in the description. And now, welcome David and Eva. So, let's start from how Ambient came into life, what it started from, and uh, how it developed. Okay, so the thing about like the modular and stuff, uh, we really don't have any background on module or music at all in the, like school times we used to watch modular content on youtube and um, once two years ago we were in a cafe and we were like uh, having coffee just uh, sitting sketching and stuff we came up with this idea to produce uh, modular error uh, modules in georgia because no one was doing it. Uh, Malo did research on it, like not only in uh, Georgia, but I think uh, no one does it in uh, Caucasus at all, like in the region. First came the design because we are designers and stuff. We took uh, the, the sine wave, cut it in half. There was the logo, but not only the sine wave, all of the waves could uh, could be used uh, as our logo. So yeah, then we did like um, some more research, how to do shit and stuff. Uh, and then there it was. Yeah, but uh, I think the uh, the starting point of our passion for audio devices started when we watched a documentary about Dieter Rams. Um, he was a product designer of the company named Brown, and he made some really cool stuff, really cool audio hardware for Brown. Uh, and he had some design principles. There was like a 10 design principles. And we were really inspired watching this documentary, and we wanted to create some our unique uh, audio hardware and we just starting just uh, 3d modeling it but uh, at the start we were just making some concept stuff for just us enjoying it and then we just came up with an idea i did the research that the modular synth is a really expensive thing to buy and build your own setup we just figure out that no one else does this in our region especially in georgia and also the community at those time and today also is uh, growing. Yeah, it's really hard to get into modular because when you're young and you like, let's say if you're interested in module and you're like 18 or 19, and you want to get into it and you like watch some stuff, like uh, learn some stuff, uh, get a course or something. And then you go to the website, go like a shop, you see, boom, $400 for like a single module. <laughs> If you're not like some kind of millionaire son, you can't really get into modular. The alternative is to like uh, the software. Yeah, like VC yeah, yeah, VCV rack, the digital version. You're simulating 
analog music on the digital computer. No, it's a good for students, but it's not it's not a modular. Yeah, I would I would argue that it's not. It's a simulator, but you kind of do and use the same principles as you use in modular. It's just you don't have physical way like to control it, and the sound is different. But sometimes you can't even say it. So yeah, no, of, of course you can practice there. The everything will work just similar to the physical products, but you don't have your own instrument. It's just like a simulator. You have it on PC. But that feeling when you build your own setup using different kind of modules, it's a different feeling. Yeah, it's a different feeling. Um, mm-hmm. Also, the thing is, like by the logic we are going right now, you can just take a laptop, download FL Studio, and make music like that. The reason modular is getting popular right now, and the reason it has its users, is because they like the quality. And the like the real physical music, not like some uh, laptop digital like uh, software thing. The way modular works is that it's like uh, almost it's almost basic electronics. So we have uh, far more advanced uh, stuff right now, but it doesn't have this uh, same feeling. I would say just people love analog audio because in the modular everything comes from a single like voltage source. They every single beat or tone or Frequency is made out of some sound wave, physical electronic wave. It would be a sine wave or square or triangle or, or any other. Depth of the sound of the analog audio is a different. Of course, the, there's a really good quality of digital audio, but uh, how to explain it? When you draw a sine wave by hand, it's like a smooth curve that has no pixels in it. It's an analog audio. And when you zoom into the digital audio sine wave, there's uh, loads of small, small steps, small square waves, which make those sine wave. It's like a difference between uh, vector and uh, raster systems in design. <laughs> For some people, like there's a nostal- nostalgic uh, thing, I th- think, because uh, at the past where there was no digitalization, no, no, everyone has a personal computers at home. Uh, when there wasn't much technology, the music was fully made on analog. The electronic part, the mastering part, the everything was made on analog. It was then mastered on like a 16-track uh, tapes, and the sound quality was different. Then came the digitalization. Everyone had a PC home. It's good. Like everyone can learn how to do music, produce some music at home. People are exploring their talents, but they, those sound quality was born by new when the modular got popular like in 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, the reason it went away is because they invented more advanced technology. They invented the PCs, like as he said, everyone has had a PC at home. They invented the digital like uh, audio software. And uh, after that, modular went away. So no one, no one used it again. What was the first module, the first modules and or products you made? I know that uh, the modules you have, it's the series. So it's kind of a complete system, should be in the end. How, how did it start it with what and uh, what it's going to look like uh, in the end? Our first product was um, a VCO, which is voltage-controlled oscillator, which is um, like the most uh, basic module you can ever make. It's one of the more common DIY modular modules. And it almost uh, required no knowledge in uh, electricity. And uh, it was 
the most basic and also the easiest module to create and to produce and um, make uh, as a product. So we thought it would be a good uh, starting point. Yeah, and uh, as you said, the Targon series is a it's a series of modules. It isn't finished yet. Right now, we are working on this new uh, module, eight bit sequencer. Yeah, Mal is showing. Yeah, yeah Mal is showing it. By the time the podcast is out, uh, this um, sequencer will, will be out too. So it's one of the last modules in the series. I think from the VCO to the sequencer, we've gone through a lot of changes. Even the PCB plate is uh, far more advanced on the like the physical side, the technical side, visual side, and everything else. We had a huge progress, and we also will have a far, far bigger progress in the future. For example, like on VCA, there's a very chaotic alignment of the components. Just a few components on the PCB. Everything is uh, through-hole components. It's like a, some big components. And on 8-bit sequencer, we made an everything the SMTs and surface mounting technology. Every part is like microscopic small and it's a very tiny thing to solder on. It takes a less surface, less uh, easy to damage because if there's some big parts which are surface mounted, maybe while the exploitation, you can maybe destroy a capacitor or something, just rip it off here from here. But you can do those things with the surface mount stuff because they're very small and you physically can't image them. Yeah, basically it's far more refined than what it used to be at the start. Remember to all the stories of <laughs> how uh, something gone wrong. So what's hard in doing these things, producing hardware, especially with your hands, because there's only two of you, like you don't have a factor or something. <laughs> yeah, the hardest part is to uh, basically to not make mistakes. Malo builds uh, the PCPs at home on, in like a software. He tests it once. He finds a mistake. Then he tests it again. He finds a mistake. Then again, then, then no mistake. Then it's made like uh, physically made in China. No, no, no. I just first build prototype, like a hand built prototype. It works. It's fine. I just recheck it. Next, I'm ordering it to China. And when it's done, we test uh, the final product. There's no, there's no problems after like uh, two, two or three uses. The hardest part to us to like go through all the mistakes and because there's so many things to it, for us to have everything without mistakes is very hard. And uh, once when we made the um, preamplifier, everything worked fine. The product was final. Uh, we already had it in store and stuff. And we took it to CES. To, to showcase it to people and stuff. When we plugged everything in and we were about to do the final test in front of people, suddenly the smoke came out of the amplifier and we thought that uh, something like, as you said, like a, a capacitor blew or uh, something burned. And we, we felt like a, it's a shame, you know, that like we seriously like messed up looks on the people like the disappointment, we came out so like unprofessional and stuff. But it uh, turns out everything was fine at the end. Everything was working. It was just that uh, the cable was exposed. It was uh, touching the metal case it had. And it had this uh, resin around and it uh, burnt and uh, smoke came out. And these kind of uh, stories are not regular, you know. Most of the times everything uh, goes as planned. But that takes a lot of 
focus and lots of uh, refining and uh, doing the steps all over again. In Georgia, we have this uh, saying, which means measure it a hundred times and cut it once. In PCB electronics, it's like the more long you're looking at the PCB, there's less chance you're going to find the mistake. <laughs> you need to take a break, take your time and look at the PCB with a fresh look to find those mistakes. Even now, you're the only ones in Georgia making interesting musical instruments and synthesizers. Like, just you're a unique company in Georgia. Let's say it like that. Do you remember how you started? Was the, what was the reaction on on your products, and how do you sell them now? How did you sell them then? How was that happening? First thing that happened to us is we created social media pages. It was an Instagram, Facebook. We didn't have a uh, website. We just had no followers. We just posted about the VCO and just it was like a boom. Everything everything started. There was a, there's a Jordan page like it's named the Day and Night. It's a community page of the night scene of the Georgian night, night scene. Scenes, yes. They shared our post. It was a huge explosion, like maybe two or three hours. We just had like an eighteen followers, eighty followers and It was like a huge thing for us because from nowhere we started to getting more popular. It wasn't like a um, huge explosion in the like internet terms. A lot of uh, people from the music community in Georgia they instantly saw it, and uh, we had a big engagement from this uh, music artists. Yeah, there were a lot of people who started like uh, commenting and stuff, and uh, like uh, showing support. Yeah, I think they had like almost, they did have hope, but like they were like um, skeptical, like uh, skeptical because they didn't think we would completely succeed. Like, you know, when you look at something and you think, you know, it's a good thing, you don't completely like uh, believe in it because it's um, really hard to do that thing. When you look at the Georgian scene, basically, uh, everything is so hard to make uh, a company, a startup that produces product which isn't produced anywhere, not in Georgia, but uh, also in the region. You need the big resources to uh, succeed in this way. We took a different approach. We don't have staff. We don't have uh, people working for us. No factory, no nothing. We are using every resource that we can in terms of production, in terms of uh, design, in terms of uh, money. We don't take uh, any money to ourselves. When the product is sold, most money goes back to the product. The other half goes uh, back into new projects for development and other stuff. I think the key point, uh, every entrepreneur can, can make some other hardware company. But I think no one, no one will put so much effort in it like we do. Because we don't look at the time we spent on it, at our resources, because we love doing this. We're not thinking that... I have spent five hours doing this. It should cost me like $20 an hour. Just we don't think about it. It's like an, our passion. We love doing it. We enjoy it and we will do it. It's a weird question really to ask, but how do, maybe not a work-life balance, but just how do you perceive it as work or as a hobby? Basically, we don't see it as work or like a hobby because as I said, we don't uh, get financial benefits from it. This, if uh, other people like maybe look at us and look at how we work on ambient, 
they would probably think that uh, it's a it's a hobby, but I do not think, and uh, so doesn't uh, Malo, that it's it's not a hobby for us because it's like a goal. We have like this uh, certain goal to reach the final goal, and we we have a, a great uh, enthusiasm to achieve the goal. You know, uh, for example, if I go to the website, I see a lot of things that could be improved. I write it down, do the first task, do the second task, do the third task, and it doesn't end. So it's it's a, a never-ending like a refinement and working uh, and looking uh, what could be fixed and what could be better than it is now. So basically, we don't see nor as a hobby or work. Enthusiasm isn't dying because like we're not doing the same stuff every day. I think creating some new goals, new products. We're trying to improve details on new level. It's giving us some kind of feeling we're thinking about a new thing we can we can produce and build. And it's like a, you want to do that and it's inspiring you and giving you like all the strengths and motivation. Huge blast of inspiration inside of you. And you start working on it, you see the result, you love it, but you don't stop. You make some new things again, again, again. I think it's in the human nature to want to create stuff, you know? Everybody, I think, is fascinated with one thing or another. When they look at stuff they like, they get inspired. They have this feeling of wanting to create and uh, to improve and uh, to make your own thing, you know? And for us, it's ambient. Also, the great inspiration is when you get the feedback. You know, for me, feedback is a huge inspiration. Like even, even from you, like when you propose to us to come to your podcast. Also, like um, Nastya told us to, to make a workshop in CS. Yeah. Also, when we go to Mutant, we had a few occasions when they heard about us and like they came up to us and told us to like, I know what you guys are doing. Mad respect. Can I buy you a drink? That was once. Hello to George. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not one guy, but like, you know, Moko Moko. They were drunk, but like, they told us like, bro, ambient. We're such a big fans and stuff. And like, I think there's not really much to be a fan of. Like, It's it's amazing. I actually, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm a fan, but I really like some of the songs of Moko Moko. I'm kind of hunting them down. Like I'm trying to meet them just uh, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it would be interesting to talk to them too. I remember listening to Mokomogo in the bus and my classmate would listen to them and he introduced me to it and I really liked it. I remember. And now those guys came up to me and they say they enjoy my work. Like it's crazy, you know? And it's just the start. That's amazing. I already asked you that in the previous conversation we had. Do you collaborate with uh, Georgian musician, engineers, or any other creative people? We did a collaboration once. It was with uh, Tornik and Marguelashvili, also known as Mess Montage. We made a reverb guitar pedal with a collaboration with him. It's uh, our first collaboration product, which was a limited edition. I think we made uh, like three pieces only. And about uh, Georgian engineers, there's, uh, I think... No more startups who are doing some Georgian audio hardware stuff because most of the Georgian hardware startup they're doing smart home items. There's a one startup in Georgia who who's making uh, speakers by itself. They everything. They, it's quite fancy. Their membrane is made from like a Georgian silk or something. Yeah, and they're building some great speakers. 
Also, we want to collaborate with、uh, bigger companies who produce、uh, modular, but、uh, I don't think we're big enough right now for them to accept us, you know, like on an international scale. I don't think it's up to the size. And、uh, I think you're legitimate enough to suggest anyone to do something. Because I think this, especially this、uh, modular scene, it's quite small and it's, I think it's quite friendly. One of the reasons. Why I ask you to have this conversation in the beginning is because、uh, I'm shocked and inspired and amazed by what you do. That's already enough when you hear that from people to know that you're, you can move, you can break the barriers you have.、So. You're kind of right, but uh, uh, I can argue that as of now, we're not huge, but we still have to be cautious of our reputation. Of、uh, who we work with or who we make a podcast with.、Uh, don't get me wrong, but、uh, we asked around. We asked、uh, Nasa, we asked some other people, like look at your Instagram, your, your Facebook, maybe, I don't remember, to find out if、uh, you're the right guy to make a podcast with. Would we be doing something that we shouldn't be doing?、Uh, and for, for a big company, work with, with a small startup from. From、uh, post Soviet country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, from, from Georgia.、Uh, I don't think they will be ready for this collaboration. I think the, for the collaboration, all of our products must be perfect.、Uh, I'm meaning the build quality and the production and everything because someone wouldn't like the soldering quality or maybe some engraving quality or something else because I think it's my problem because. I have really big issues always on, my, on the ambient products when I'm building it. If it, something doesn't work, it's like a horrible feeling because I'm kind of perfectionist and I want it to be a perfect. Yeah, so basically, we have to like achieve this level of quality, which、uh, then can be presented to people we want to. We want to like look good in their eyes, you know? Yeah, I agree, but you can. Learn from collaboration. You can improve your quality from collaborating with someone. The person who is collaborating with you is not necessarily looking for the quality, but for the creative idea you have. Maybe you're collaborating with someone who can achieve the quality you're looking for. You want to level up, but to do that, you need to work with someone who is on, already on that level or even higher. Yeah, I always、uh, thought about it with some different angle, like. The quality isn't good enough. They wouldn't like it, but I, I never thought that he would give, give us some、uh, experience and some tips to improve our quality. Anton, you're very right、uh, about what you said. And I'm quite hypocritical on this topic because I don't want to look bad because I haven't achieved a certain level of quality and also. We have these、uh, ideas. We think we have creativity and stuff.、Uh, we want to like,、uh, collaborate, and it would be a dream come true if we、uh, co- collaborated with these、uh, huge、uh, companies. For example, the dream dream is、uh, teenage engineering. And、uh, I think it's the、mm, perfectionism that doesn't allow us to go for the leap, you know? Perfectionism. It's kind of good, but.、Uh, I think it, it ruins a lot of things, you know? Yeah, it stops. It stops a lot of things.、Uh, we once met in CS. When I came to Georgia, I knew exactly that I need to meet people. 
It's just the most important thing just to get something done or achieved or you need the right connections, let's say. <laughs> Do you ever think about staying or going from Georgia? Do you want to live here or you want to go somewhere else? No. Like as ambient or? Um, yeah, it's kind of both. You know how Apple phones have um, this writing on back of uh, their phones? Designed in California, manufactured in China. When we make it big, we want to have something like that. Designed in Georgia and Tbilisi maybe and manufactured in China. In terms of life, I would not want to go, go to other countries to, to leave Georgia and live in, uh, let's say, Uh, Switzerland for uh, six, ten years. But in uh, terms of work and the financial side, I think Georgia, economically speaking, Georgia is in a very horrible situation because when you get high education, let's say in architecture, and let's say you are a, a great ar architect uh, and you're young and you want to work, but also you don't want to leave your country, there Uh, isn't uh, really much to do in Georgia uh, other than create your own architectural um, company that is hard. And not only in architecture, but in um, other professions too. If you don't make something like your own, uh, you can't be working uh, somewhere and be fully using your potential and fully using your knowledge that you got in a school somewhere in in another country then you have this um, dilemma of working in another country which involves um, most of your time and uh, you won't be able to see your uh, family you won't be able to see your um, georgian friends you would have to have a separate new life which could be really um, depressing Really not that interesting. Or you have, you're going to have to come to Georgia and you have this really good knowledge and be doing something really simple for like maximum of 5,000 lari in a month, which is not a lot. And uh, I think there's, there's a problem. I would rather stay and have uh, low, low income. I, I've, I've never wanted to go to study outside of country or leave my country or do something like that. Because I know people who had a really passion to give me time, I'll take my luggage and fly away just when I have a moment. I've never wanted this. I have always wanted to do my work in my country. I think the every person shows their patriotism by staying differently. Everyone shows it differently. My goal when I wanted to be a designer was to make some Georgian designs well-known for the world. My kind of uh, child mom mission. Now, as an ambient co-founder, my mission and for the life is to make some Georgian audio hardware great and make it well-known for the world. That's what I want to do. Yeah, we're getting deep now. <laughs> for me, uh, like after death, let's say, the goal is to leave a legacy like so I won't be forgotten after like four or five generations you know well that's hard yeah that's hard of course that's hard but it's a goal you know yeah that's deep that's that's a deep ground we just stood into mm -hmm. some philosophy talks it's really interesting how to find a balance between wanting to produce a legacy and uh, leave fulfilling life because by by pursuing a legacy 
you can kind of step on yourself, step on other people. It's 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 hard to speak about that in a very abstract way, but uh, I'm asking the this question because it's uh, it's important for me. I left my hometown when I was 17 and uh, I never really found home after that. So I was always looking, trying different places and I, I, I've tried a lot of places and I've tried a lot of things to do and still looking for it. Still cannot uh, feel somewhere safe and uh, sound, you know. That's why I wonder how you feel about it and, and how, how you look at your life. Did you leave uh, because of um, private reasons or like, like why did you leave? I went to study after school. So I went to Europe. Why didn't you go back? Why didn't you get, go back after after studying back to hometown? Well, I came back. So I spent four years in Europe. I came back to my hometown because I didn't want to live in Finland. I just realized like it's it's totally not my place and I, I, I felt bad there. For some time, I didn't know what to do. I came back home. I've spent maybe half a year, a little bit less there. I went to study in Moscow to master's. And then after two years in Moscow, I just I realized I, I don't even want to live in this country and I don't know why I came back. And <laughs> I mean, I know why I came back, but uh, I just realized it's time to move somewhere else. And uh, Yeah, understandable, understandable. But uh, like in terms of living a fulfilling life, I think it's, it's a wrong approach to, to life. Because how do you define a fulfilling life, right? You look at it as to have fun, to be happy and uh, stuff like that, you know. But uh, if you want to be happy, like where the, does happiness come from, right? Where does having fun comes from, right? Uh, if you go far enough into this topic, you'll end up uh, in a situation where it's nothing but like hedonism around, you know. So I don't think uh, living a fulfilling life is a thing to consider at all. So basically, you don't have to like uh, find a balance between living a, a fulfilling life and leave a legacy. I think it's you don't have to like have it a fifty-fifty, but have it like ninety-ten. For me personally, it's not uh, important at all to have fun. I mean, I like to have fun, but it's completely not important. It doesn't give you anything and. Uh, only fun, only like dopamine. Happiness may can come from many other things. Living a legacy also can give you a happiness. <laughs> Coming back to fulfilling life, I think fulfilling life is not necessarily a f a only fun life. Fulfilling life is when you, as I understand it and as I think about my life, it's when you realize yourself, when you like realize something uh, into life and... Uh, you can say that this thing that comes from you is now is somewhere in the real world and you made it and it's uh, and one person can make a lot in in a lifetime so we didn't mention it this time you're less than 20 years old right 19 and 20 and so you just started basically so like you have a really long path ahead not really, like we started maybe four or five years ago, <laughs> our careers. You have other, what, 50 years to work, so what vision do you have for yourself? How do you imagine life from now? How it's going to be? And what do you think you're going to do and what maybe you have to, you want to learn? How do you plan yourself and the company you run, Ambient? I have no idea. During these years, it uh, 
my vision of future changed so much that I don't even think the vision I have right now will last for even like two months because I'm not um, old enough to pick one thing and uh, stick with it for like 20 or maybe even more years. The big vision, not specific, is uh, to learn and uh, become as professional uh, as I can to get uh, as much uh, valuable uh, knowledge as I can. What's the vision for you, Mel? Yeah, basically, it's the same for me. I don't have some exact vision of what I would do in like in 10 years. But one thing I know that the ambient would be like forever in my life. We just really can't stop working on it because it's, it's for life. <laughs> like we started it, but there's no way back. That's so good to hear. Like this could be a shame if we stop doing this because we saw so much feedback, so much respect, so much love from our customers, uh, from Georgian music community that abandoning the ambient would be like a really bad thing to do. It would never happen. Nice. I think that's the best way we could end this. Uh... Yeah, follow us on Instagram and follow Anton and uh, listen to his other podcasts. And yeah, uh, that's it. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. Subscribe and uh, comment uh, down below. Yeah. Okay. This is it. Thank you for listening. I think I want to leave the podcast with a thought that uh, conversations is one of the best ways to connect with people. And I really felt that with uh, David and uh, Eva. So thanks again to them. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. And see you later.